1: Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radio to tax. Our listener support campaign continues. You can become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 or more at patreon.greatdetectives.net and just support us on a monthly basis. However, our focus today is on one-time donations which you can send to us in a variety of ways. Uh, You can uh, send it to our P.O. Box Adam Graham, P.O. Box 15913 Boise, Idaho 83715 Uh, And we actually had three people uh, send in uh, donations Uh, and I want to go ahead and thank Janet Janice and Nancy and Ron. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, Other ways, if you want to use PayPal, just go to support.greatdetectives.net. If your bank uses the Zelle app, you can also send in a donation to box13 at greatdetectives.net. During our listener support campaign, if you send along a donation of $25 or more, we'll happily send you uh, one of several select Colonial Radio Theater audio dramas. Uh, They have some really good ones. Uh, King Solomon's Mine. Also, uh, they have two different Zoros, and uh, we'll happily send those with a donation of $25 or more. At the level of $100 or more, We'll happily send you a digital download of one of uh, the Jim French Productions. Uh, audio drama sets. There are two different Harry Niles uh, sets starring Phil Harper. And then they've got a release called Imagination Theater, The Investigators, uh, which actually is kind of a grab bag of eight different detectives, more than 20 different mysteries, including their adaptations of the further adventures of Sherlock Holmes and Raffles, some episodes of Harry Nile, Hillary Kane, uh, the Anthony Wraith Chronicles, and their just a wide variety of different programs, and uh, we'll send you one of those sets with a donation of $100 or more. Full list of available thank you gifts over at support.greatdetectives.net. Now it's time for today's episode of Boston Blackie. The original air date on this one is December 8th of 1948, so we had like nine uh, lost episodes between last week and this week. And uh, this one is entitled The Killer Lightning Murders.
2: The weatherman was right, Martin.
3: Yes.
2: Rain, thunder, and lightning. Oh, what an awful day.
3: You know the old saying, Hester? Yes. In the week's life, a little rain must fall. Oh. And uh, this may help us.
2: Martin, how are we going to do it?
3: Well, there are many ways to do it, my dear. Why? Yeah. The way to do it isn't the problem. The problem is to get away with it.
2: No one ever gets away with it, Martin.
3: You want your husband killed, Do
2: or... you have to ask add... that?
3: No. Now, don't worry, my dear. I know a way to kill him. Oh, you do? But because we'll be suspected. You because you're this adoring wife and Please. I because I'm a rival fellow scientist, we must be certain there's no proof his death was caused by us.
2: I know all that, Martin. But how can we kill Donald so that no one will know that we did it?
3: Well, first by remembering what every killer forgets. Yes. That a gun can be traced to list. that a knife may retain fingers. Mm-hmm. that rope or poison can be traced.
2: Martin, Martin would forget. Read of the body. Destroy it.
3: That, too, is something a killer forget. A body is almost impossible to destroy completely. Oh. No, Hester, my dear. We must kill Donald in such a way that the police can find no weapon, no clue. In fact, no evidence of murder. Yes. Oh,
2: Martin. I'm so afraid of thunder.
3: Well, according to my idea, Hester, as far as Donald is concerned, that wasn't the crack of thunder. No? That was the crack of doom. And now on to Dick calmer as Boston Blackie enemy to those who make him an enemy friend to those who have no friend) <laughs> report 75C on Experiment Malabar, Mr. Carson. Oh, thank you, Mr. Crane. Uh, just put it on my desk. I'll look at it in the morning. Closing up the lab for the night? <laughs> Don't you think it's about time? <laughs> I guess so. Hey, that's thunder. Yeah. You no, know, we should have closed 30 minutes ago when Mr. Archer left so we could get home before the rain. I think it's going to be a bad storm. Bad for some people, Crane. Even worse than they might think. <laughs>
2: We'd better get as far out in the country as we can before the storm breaks, Martin. It's getting worse every minute.
3: Well, the worse it is, the better. Oh. Uh, look at the back, Hester, and well, see if Donald is still unconscious.
2: Oh, all right. He should be after that cross on the head he got from you. <laughs> yes, Martin, he's still out.
3: Excellent. Now, before the rain gets so heavy that it turns the countryside into mud, we have to find an open field, a little off the highway, like like that one there. Oh, yes. Yes, I, I think we'll leave Donald right there.
2: Good. The quicker we get rid of him, the better.
3: All right, we'll have to work fast now, Hester.
2: All right. Oh, Martin, are you sure that Donald will be killed?
3: That was your answer right there. But...
2: What if it won't work?
3: It can't, miss. I brought something along to make certain it wouldn't, miss. Oh. Well, I'll carry Donald into the field. You bring along that little package.
2: All right, I will. All
3: right. Come on now.
2: Yes, I will. We'll take
3: on. Donald into the field. Let me
2: help you here. We'll leave him there. Yeah.
3: And then we'll come back for a moment after the storm passes over. And Donald passes away. Oh. Oh. Yes, Miss Casting?
2: Boston Blackie is here to see you, Doctor. He says you sent for him.
3: Oh, yes, yes, I I, I did. Uh, Send him right in, will you? Yes, sir. Come in, come in, come in. Hello, Dr. Wilkins. Oh, Blackie, come in, come in. Thank you. Uh, Sit down, Wilkins. Thanks again. Now then, I'll I'll come right to the point, Blackie. All right. I've called you in because a patient of mine, Donald Archer, has been killed in the most unusual way. Really? Yes. It looks as if it were an accident, but I can't believe it. I'm listening, Doctor.
2: Well, I I had to call the police because I have no proof it wasn't an accident. Nothing to go on but a vague feeling that Donald Archer was the victim of foul play.
3: How was he killed? By lightning. Lightning. He was found in a meadow about ten miles outside the town, under a tree. No, Blackie. His body was a good 50 feet from the nearest
2: tree, and the tree was untouched.
3: Hmm. i odd. Isn't it? Lightning generally is the highest object in the territory it strikes. That's right. Are you sure, Wilson, that Archer was actually killed by lightning? Oh, yes, yes. As his doctor, I, I was called when they found the body. As his doctor, what had you been treating him for? Oh, only for little things, here. Like Broken arm once, sinus, given him allergy tests. And twice he's come down with rather severe cold. But this time he came down with a case of lightning that proved fatal. It's a case of murder by lightning, it if you can believe such a thing. Well, I've never heard of it, but I'll look into the matter. Good. And if Donald Archer was murdered by lightning, I'll see that the killer also gets a shock. <laughs> To success, my dear Hester To
2: success
3: <laughs> And to Donald
2: And to Donald, too
3: May he find rest in the same heaven out of which came the bolt that struck him down
2: Oh, Martin Martin, you're so wonderful oh, Not wonderful, clever Yes, clever And too. may I
3: admire your performance, my dear When the police came with the tragic news that Donald was no longer oh. among us
2: Thank ones. you, Martin
3: There, I think there's someone at the door Yes, there is Don't forget the tears, if necessary
2: mm-hmm. uh,
3: Come in Oh, you are here, Mr. Carson. Well, Mr. Crane, why aren't you at the laboratory? Uh, That experiment Mr. Archer and I are working on needs constant attention. I've got a little business with you and Mrs. Archer. Uh,
2: I'll have to ask you to leave, Mr. Crane. As you know, my husband was killed by lightning during the storm last night. Yeah, I know
3: that, Mrs. Archer. And there's a lightning rod missing from the laboratory. What? I can put two and two together. Esther, I think we should invite Mr. Crane to sit down in spite of the way you feel.
2: Yes, Mr. Crane, do sit down.
3: Ah, <laughs> we're getting somewhere. And, of course, somewhere is all you expect to get from this. Well, Mr. Carson, when a guy first starts in laboratory work, he gets paid to learn. Then he gets paid for what he does. Then he gets paid for what he knows.
2: I think you're well paid, Mr. Crane. I have you. I'll handle
3: enough. this, Hester. Yes. Oh, yes. You see, Hester, what Mr. Crane wants is not a raise in salary. But a substantial sum of money. Carson, you're right on a beam. How much do you want, then? You name it, and I'll tell you what I think of it. Well, uh, what would you think of this?
2: Oh. Oh, no, no, oh. no. Oh.
3: Now, what were he you saying, Hester?
2: Nothing. He's dead, isn't he?
3: Quite. He had to be killed.
2: Martin, you said the only murder we could get away with was a planned murder. Guns can be traced. You said that yourself.
3: Yes, I know. It's most unfortunate that we didn't plan on Crane figuring what we've done. (laughs) Most unfortunate, poor Mr. Crane. But
2: we'll be caught for this, Mom. No,
3: Hester. There's such a thing as a perfect alibi to make up for an imperfect murder. Nice, clear night, but that sure was some storm yesterday, wasn't it, Sergeant Matthews? Yeah, I'll say it was. Ditch along the road here was running water a foot deep. You better drive carefully. The road may be undermined. Sure is terrific what damage water can cause, isn't it? I'll say. Hey. Huh? Yeah? Hold it a minute, officer. Sure. Stop the car. What's the matter? What's up? Well, I'm not sure. But in the ditch back there, I saw something that looked like a body. What? Back up a few yards. Okay, but well, I think you're just seeing things. Uh, I was seeing things all right. I hope it was just a sack of potatoes or something and not a body. Here's the spot. Stop here. Okay. Well, what is it? Wait, I'll get out and have a look with my flashlight. Hey, Sergeant, you're right. Yeah. It's a guy lying in the ditch. He was a guy, though somebody made a corpse out of him with a few bullets. Radio headquarters, tell Inspector Faraday we've got a dead body and he's got another headache. Hello? Hello, Inspector Faraday. Yes, Matthews. Still waiting up at the archer's house for Mrs. Archer, huh? No, I'm out swimming in the ocean. Of course I'm here. I figured maybe Mrs. Archer, or that guy Carson, that maybe is shown up there by now, we can't find him anywhere. Yeah, well, keep looking. Look, Inspector, are you sure that body we found in the ditch was Harold Crane's? Yes, and Crane worked for the late Donald Archer and a guy named Martin Carson. So I want to talk to Carson and Archer's widow. Hey, you know, Donald Archer was killed yesterday. Maybe Crane killed Archer and then committed suicide. Archer was killed by lightning. Now you figure out how anybody can use lightning for murder. Uh, not me. I'm just a cop. I'll leave that for geniuses, G- like Boston Blackie. Don't mention that name to me. Uh-oh, somebody's unlocking the door. I'll call you back. Okay. Oh,
2: oh Mom, that would be wonderful. Well, I'm very glad you
3: liked it, my dear. And now... Oh. Oh. Well, we have company. Yes. Yes, I'm Inspector Faraday of Homicide. Oh. There's been a murder. What? A fellow named Crane. What? Did he? I don't suppose either one of you knows anything about it. Crane murdered? Harold Crane. Well, he worked with me in the laboratory. Yes, he did. Oh, allow me to introduce myself. I'm Martin Carson, and this is Mrs. Donovan. Oh, I guessed I as much. Know. Now, look. Oh, uh,
2: well, there's someone at the door.
3: Probably one of my men. Come in. Hello, is this the hall. Home... Oh, hello, Patty. Oh, no, Blackie. Hello, everybody. What are you doing here? I'm here to talk to these two people, I imagine. That is, if this lady is Mrs. Donald Archer.
2: Yes, I am. And, and, and this
3: is Martin Carson. That's the right. Faraday, uh, do you mind if I talk to these people? I certainly do, and I get lost. Nothing here concerns you. Oh, no? Maybe you can prove that Mrs. Archer's husband was murdered by I Who's life. talking about Mrs. Archer's husband? I am. What are you here to talk about? Tickets for the policeman's ball? Now, at 6 o'clock this evening, a man named Harold Crane was shot and killed. Really? He worked for Mrs. Archer's late husband. Was Crane killed by lightning, too? Now by a thirty-eight caliber revolver. You, Mr. Carson, you own the thirty-eight. As a matter of fact, I did. But it was stolen some time ago. Oh. Say, Carson, where were you at 6 o'clock this evening? At the movie. The, uh, reality. Yes, the picture
2: was brought yes, With Mrs. Archer. Uh, you right? can
3: prove that? Well, if, yes, I can, Blackie. Uh, as a matter of fact, here are the ticket stubs, if you'd like to see them. I'd like to. They cost a dollar apiece. Before they were torn in half, now they were half a dollar piece. Ha- oh, very. Now ticket stubs don't prove anything. No, Farley, they, they don't. But I know something that does. What, Mister Carson? When you first went into the Rialto, what scene was on the screen? Well, let's see. Uh, I, um, I'm not uh, sure. Uh, you you remember,
2: Huston? Oh yes, I do. Uh, it, it it was a scene where John was getting to the cab and found Sylvia waiting. <laughs> ah, yes,
3: yes, that's right. What time did you get into the Rialto, Mr. Carson? Uh, oh, uh, it was about uh, ten to six, I think. I'm not exactly sure. Knowing what scene you came in on is enough to check the time you got into the movie, Carson. Come on, Faraday. Mm-hmm. It's too late to get out of the Rialto now, but we'll check tomorrow. All right. Carson, don't leave Tom until I tell you it's all right. Well, oh, uh, of course not. Same goes for you, Mrs. Archer.
2: Very well, Inspector.
3: Blackie, it's okay for you to leave Tom any time you like. Come on, Faraday.
2: <laughs> Martin. Martin, what are you laughing at?
3: Who says you couldn't get away with murder? And now, back to Boston Blackie. (laughs) Scientist Martin Carson and Hester Archer murder Hester's husband, Donald, in such a way that it looks as if Donald was struck by lightning... Donald's doctor calls in Boston Blackie, however, because he feels that it's murder. Harold Crane, one of Carson's laboratory assistants, knows Archer was killed. So Martin kills Crane, too, and claims that he and Mrs. Archer were at a movie at the time of Crane's killing. As we return to our story, it's the next afternoon, and Blackie and Inspector Faraday are coming out of the theater after checking Carson's alibi seats, 85 cents. Come on, Faraday, hurry up, will you? Well, Blackie, we got here five minutes ago at exactly ten minutes of six, the same time that Carson says he got here yesterday with Mrs. Archer. And we found she described the exact scene. And not only that, but the manager says whatever scene went on at ten or six yesterday would go on at ten or six today. So you've wasted more of my time. Why? I thought maybe you'd run out of ways. First you have an idea. A man struck by lightning was murdered now you think Mrs. Archer and Carson would try to alibi for the time of Harold Crane's murder by saying they were at this movie. Gee, I'm sorry, ain't I? No, but I am. <laughs> Carson and Mrs. Archer are in the clear. Are they, Faraday? A little voice tells me that there's something wrong somewhere. There is. Something definitely wrong with their alibi. <laughs> I'd hope to have some news for you by this time, Dr. Wilson... ...but all I can tell you is that there's been another killing. Yes, I know. I know, Blackie. I I heard it on the radio that the man was connected with Mr. Archer. Yes. He was Archer's assistant. That's right. Harold Crane. I knew the man. He's worked for Carson and Archer for several years. They trusted him with the secrets of their experiments. Carson and Archer were working on something important? Well, something commercial, anyway. They, They were trying for something that promised a lot of money. And getting close, too, huh? Archer seemed to think so the last time I talked to him... Well, here's my theory, Dr. Wilson. Yes? If you're right in thinking Archer was murdered, Carson and Archer's wife murdered him, uh-huh. then killed Crane because he knew too much. That's usually the case when one murder follows another. Yes, it? yes, but there are a couple of unusual angles about this case. There are? First of all, Crane was killed at six o'clock. Yet at ten minutes of six. Many miles away, Carson and Mrs. Archer were in the movie. Uh-huh. Uh, can that be proved? Yes. I've just come from the theater, but... Wait a minute. What's that, Carson showed me ticket stubs marked a dollar. And before six o'clock, the tickets were only 85 cents. Are, are, are you sure? Oh, am I sure? I heard the man in front of the theater calling out the price. I should have caught on then, but I didn't. Well, then you know that Carson could have killed Crane. Yes, and for just the reason I think that Crane knew Carson killed Archer. Now I have the same feeling you do that Archer was murdered. By Carson, by his wife, or, or both? Maybe, both. That doesn't matter right now. What matters is. What's the matter? Look, you said you treated Archer for a broken arm. Yes. How did he get it? Uh, uh, auto accident. Uh-huh. You also said he had an allergy. What was he allergic to? Grass. And, and believe it or not, Blackie, Archer had such a strong allergy to grass that he had to give up golf. And he shot in the high 70s, too. An allergy to grass, huh? Yes, yes. If he, if he so much as looked at it, Blackie, he, he sneezed for hours. He had an allergy to grass, and yet he was found in the middle of a meadow. That's right. Well, that does it. Does what? Dr. Wilson, first I'll get Faraday to make a phone call for me. Yes? And then, because grass made Donald Archer sneeze, I think I can prove who killed Archer. And that's nothing to sneeze at. <laughs>
2: Martin, I can't stand it in this house of mine another minute. I'm afraid here, and I'm worried sick. Because we
3: killed Crane here? Yes. There's nothing to worry about, Hester. I know. Nothing, nothing to be afraid of as long
2: as we stick together. But the police were here once, and they'll come again. Oh, I can't bear to talk to
3: them. Listen, will you relax, Hester? Now, listen, our alibi in Crane's death can't be upset. Well, I... And your husband's death looks thoroughly accidental.
2: I know it does Now, doesn't...
3: we must stick to our story, and then we're all right. Just a minute.
2: Well, I'll
3: try. Uh, oh, y- yes, I heard it. Hello? Hello, Mrs. Archer. Yes? Uh, this is Inspector Faraday, Homicide.
2: Oh, yes, Inspector.
3: I'd like to speak to you here in my office about something. Will oh. you come down right away? Oh,
2: uh, Why, well, yes, I suppose so. Uh, ju- just a minute, please. All right. Martin, it's Inspector
3: Faraday.
2: Oh? He wants me in his office. What do I do?
3: Nothing you can do, Hester, to go down and see him. you think so? Find out what he wants. Uh Can't be anything important.
2: Inspector Faraday? Yes. I'll be down right away.
3: That's fine. Goodbye.
2: Goodbye. Oh, Martin. Martin, I'm afraid. Now
3: don't be Hester. Just remember that we're in this together. And if we stick together, we'll get out of it too. Mrs. Archer, I've asked you to come down here to my office alone because I want to ask you a few questions in private.
2: I, uh, I understand, Inspector Faraday, but I, I really don't know what to say without Mr. Carson with me. You see, he, well, he's more than a friend. He, mm. he, he's, he's my advisor.
3: Well, all I want from you is the truth, Mrs. Archer. Now, I'm sure... Excuse me. Faraday, homicide. Inspector, I'm calling you in regard to the Donald Archer case. Yes, and the unfortunate killing of young Crane. You don't say. I could give you valuable information, Inspector. Well, now that's mighty nice of you. I happen to know a great deal about it. Mm. But I'd expect a sort of immunity or whatever it's called for my assistance in the matter. Mm. Can you hear me? Yeah, but talk louder and a little funnier. Inspector, I'll give you a little of the information on the phone so you'll know I'm telling the truth. It was Mrs. Archer who personally killed her husband and this other man. (laughs) I can tell what books you've been reading lately. I can give you motives, Inspector. Well, we'll uh, talk about it some other time. Oh. Oh, is someone there? Yeah. Perhaps you'd like me to phone later. Yeah, call back in about an hour when I'm not so busy. Splendid. I'll phone you again in an hour and tell you all about her. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hello, oh, Mrs. Archer. Uh, yes, Inspector. Uh, if something's come up. I'll, yes. I'll question you some other time.
2: You, you mean it's all right if I go now?
3: Yeah, but go right home and stay there, Mrs. Archer. I'll want you for something. Later. Oh. Oh.
2: Stop it, will you? You're a snake. Hester, will you get you, hold you, of yourself? You. i are go out of your mind oh, if you please. think
3: that I made that call to Inspector
2: Parody. You made it all right. No, I didn't. I heard every word you said. I recognized your voice. It wasn't was mine. There. You said you, you'd call him back in an hour. Uh, why don't you call him? Because I didn't call him
3: in the first place.
2: Oh, yes, you did. You wanted out. You turned against me to save yourself. Hester,
3: will you? Don't be a fool. Why should I turn you away? I don't know.
2: I don't well, know. Why but... should
3: I have to save myself? Now, listen. They're not
2: suspected. Oh, I think Lightning we Lightning
3: killed Donald.
2: Lightning. And we can prove that we were at the movies when we killed Harold Crane. There's been a slip-up somewhere, and you know it. Oh, for heaven. Oh, sake. you want to get rid of me and get my share of the money from... From Donald's experiment.
3: And you've turned moron or maniac or both. Okay. It was my idea to tie the lightning rod to Donald, wasn't it? But it, what if it Didn't was... I plan his murder for you?
2: And you planned it for yourself, me. Oh. Because the experiment was over. And you knew it would mean a fortune to you with Donald out of the way. Not
3: with you alive, Hester. His
2: share goes to you. Hester, I know you want me out of the way. That's ridiculous. Well, I'm going to put you out of the way first. Hester. Where'd you get that gun? It's your gun. What? The gun you used to kill Harold Crane. You it... told me to throw it away, but I saved oh. it. I saved it for a time like oh, this. Now, put
3: it down. You yes. will go to jail for murder if you do this. I'm
2: not going to go anywhere. Because after I kill you, I'm going to kill myself. Well,
3: maybe you'll go first, Hester, because you don't have my only gun.
2: Oh, go ahead. Shoot. If you think you're fast enough, there.
3: You don't aim very well, Hester. <laughs> All right, all right, boys. You drop those guns. Oh. The next shot will break more than this window.
1: Oh, Inspector Police, no,
3: I won't drop my gun. No.
2: Oh.
3: Oh. I think I've dropped it for you, Carson. All right, Mrs. Archer, drop yours.
2: All right, I've dropped it.
3: Well, I suppose you heard everything we said, Inspector. Yes. Turn two murderers against each other, and they say everything you want to hear. Come on in, Frankie.
2: Okay, Faraday. Right. Hurry up. Hello, everybody. Oh, oh, Martin, Martin, if you hadn't tried to turn me in with that phone call, this wouldn't have happened to you.
3: And so I didn't make any phone calls. He's telling the truth, Mrs. Archer.
2: What?
3: I made that call to Faraday while you were in his office. Oh, you did? I knew you two killed Crane, but I had to prove it. How did,
2: how did you know we weren't at the movies when Mr. Crane was killed?
3: It's very simple, Mrs. Archer. Oh. Crane was killed at six. You claim you were in the movies before six. Well? Yet Carson here showed me ticket stubs marked a dollar. Yeah, you forgot the prices change at six. But you were clever enough to see the picture through and figure what scene would be on the screen ten minutes before six. Uh come on. Well, now, Hester. Now who's the fool? Martin. Martin. Well, they'd never have known about Donald and Harold Crane if you hadn't told them everything just now. Don't fool yourself, Martin. I guess Donald was murdered when I found out he had an allergy to grass. Oh! You forgot he couldn't stand grass, didn't you, Mrs. Archer?
2: Oh, Donald couldn't even go near it.
3: Well, he's not only near it now, he's six feet under it. to us. Yes, Martin. But you two are on the way to the chair. Because a flash of lightning in a rainstorm gave you a Brainstorm.
1: Welcome back. Well, a decent uh, inverted mystery with a couple of uh, important clothes uh, left by murderers who thought they were more clever than they actually were. Now it's time to talk about our tentative plans for the next five seasons on Thursdays. And uh, in season 11, we're actually going to play some old-time radio raffles. Uh, There are only two episodes from two different series. One I don't think ever actually aired. And then we'll get into Mystery is My Hobby, uh, also in season 11. And then uh, in season 13, we're going to do Philo Vance. Now, previously I'd said that I would only do like three episodes and skip the syndicated series with Jackson Beck. Uh, But re-listening to it, I've decided to go ahead, and we're going to go ahead and do the entirety of Philo Vance. And so that will get us to Season 15, where we'll play Mr. and Mrs. North. Now, I expect that we will finish Mr. and Mrs. North towards the end of Season 15. And at that point, we will actually uh, move what the program we're doing on Saturday over to Thursday. And we'll only be doing five episodes of Great Detectives per week. However, I intend to start another podcast. Again, this is tentative, and we'll decide what that will be, but uh, obviously that's five years down the line, so we have plenty of time to think about what weekly uh, podcasts we would like to do. So uh, that is the plan for uh, the next five seasons for Thursday, and uh, we'll have more as uh, the week goes on. All right, well, now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and I'm going to read through uh, all of the uh, comments received, but there was one question I wanted to go ahead and answer first, just so it didn't get buried, because it's got some relevance to uh, all uh, our listeners. Uh, uh, Nancy and Ron, in their uh, letter, uh, they asked... uh, is there any way a technophobe like me could obtain t-shirts? My husband downloads your programs and plays them uh, when we travel in the car and in the evenings we spend on our sailboat. So there is really a lag in time between airing and listening and the offers have expired. Okay, Uh, thanks so much for this question. And I do want to just uh, address it. I don't know if I've uh, ever done so publicly. When I first started selling the t-shirts, you had to buy them uh, when we were doing the promotion. The reason for that is I did them as campaigns and uh, we have to sell 11 shirts uh, for the t-shirts to actually print. So only during those times when I was actually promoting them on the podcast could you buy a t-shirt. However, there was a function from the vendor where we could set it so that the t-shirts could be bought at any time. Uh, however, the catch to that was that we had to let the company uh, set the cost. And I tend to, if I'm doing our available year-round, they're just a bit more expensive than when we're doing a campaign that'll end up selling 11 or more shirts. And I think it's fair from the vendor perspective because, essentially, uh, if they are selling, you know, doing a printing of some quantity of sh- of shirt, then they, uh, they can have more flexibility in the price. But when they're doing print-on-demand and they're only going to do a run of one or two shirts, I can understand why they would... Want a better margin. But you can buy the t-shirts anytime. And of course, uh, the addresses are t-shirt.greatdetectives.net for our regular uh, Great Detectives of Old Time Radio t-shirt. Then uh, yours truly, Johnny Dollar t-shirts at yours truly.greatdetectives.net and our Joe Friday Never Said Just the Facts Ma'am t-shirt at friday.greatdetectives.net. We start with a note from Janice... Uh, who uh, writes in, I really enjoy the programs, especially Boston Blackie and Rocky Jordan and lots more. Uh, Thank you. And thank you, Janice, uh, for your support and for your nice uh, card that you sent along with that. And then we have this letter from uh, uh, Nancy and Ron. I continue, Adam, I continue. Thank you for your great programs. We're enjoying the world war II programs as well as the mysteries and think, The choice uh, for their music was right on. Uh, As you're interested in World War II stories, I'll quickly state two for your information and amusement. And she goes on to share uh, a few really interesting stories and factoids about uh, her family. As she said, it was for my information and amusement. I'm not going to read it out on the podcast because I don't know if that actually would be okay. But I appreciate uh, her sharing this. uh, And it's these stories and how... You know, people, several people just within her family were all connected in the war. It really does illustrate how it touched so many lives. She concludes, I hope I haven't bored you, but you did ask. I did, and it certainly was uh, interesting information. Anyway, we're happy to continue to support your work. Well, thank you so much, Nancy and Ron. I appreciate uh, your support and uh, the great stories. And uh, then I uh, have this uh, note from uh, uh, Janet. Uh, she writes in Dear Adam, thank you for all that you do. My husband and I listened to your uh, broadcast for many years. My husband died in December. In the months uh, leading up to his death, he and I would listen and it gave him happiness. Now alone, your voice is great consolation in the long dark nights. Thank you. Uh, Well, thank you so much, Janet. I appreciate your note and your kind words, and so sorry for your loss, but I'm glad for any comfort uh, that I was able to provide for you and your husband over the years, and I appreciate you continuing to listen before we wrap up for today's podcast, I do want to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to thank Boz. Boz has been one of our Patreon supporters uh, since April, currently supporting us at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Boz. And uh, that will actually do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow for yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Next Thursday, we'll be back with another episode of Boston Blackie. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.